Welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast, the best creative and business minds behind the world's best studios in motion, production, and sound. Here we believe the best way to deal with the future is to create it. I'm Joel Pilger. Today, I am very pleased to present this interview with Matt and Shauna Schultz, founders at Mass Effects Media, based in Denver, one of my old stomping grounds where I ran my studio for many years. So very proud of the creative community there. Matt and Shauna in this interview are reflecting on their 12-year journey in the industry, helming Mass Effects. They started as documentary field producers, of all things, but they evolved their business down through the years, through different stages, and you're gonna hear them use funny, unexpected terms, like the years that it was like a raft, or a motorboat, or an expedition ship. But recently, fast forward to today, Mass Effects has expanded to a much larger facility, and you're gonna hear them talk about the emphasis on systems and scaling and all of the problems they're trying to solve, but also the opportunities they're excited to capture. I will say ambition and risk-taking is at the center of their success, but also their passion for storytelling. It's never, never lost. So they are excited about original content, about film festivals, about their experience creating content, and they highlight the significance of systems and processes in their business and how that empowers them to create that future and grow their team. So please enjoy this interview with Matt and Shauna. What the heck just happened? Meaning something changed in your business in the last few months and there was a big event that I was, I swore I was going to try and get out to Denver for it, but I couldn't. What was that? Yeah, so we have officially manifested Mass Effects 3.0 into the new facility, as we're calling it. So we we got to have a really excellent celebration back in September and do an open house and invite our closest, like, 300 friends uh, to come and explore the new space. And uh, it, it was just like a really excellent celebration of an accomplishment that felt like we would never finish. <laughs> and you said 300 people? I was really bad. I was like, I'm just going to invite like clients and, and, you know, some of our favorite freelancers and other, other companies around. And we ended up sending invites to 520 people. A lot of them are out of state and I figured they're not going to come. And so, yeah, we had, we had a pretty solid group that, that showed up, uh, which is good. How many, yeah. How many out of towners do you think? Unlike me, who, who I, you know, I get on a plane at the drop of a hat, but unfortunately I had a conflict, but yeah. How many folks came from out of town? Do you think? Yeah, we had, I'm trying to think, Matt, what's the split? We actually had uh, some friends come stay with us just like specifically for the event. Um, but I, I bet it was split probably 70, 30, maybe like 30% of the people were from out of town. Some of them have happened to be here and it worked out really well, but, uh, some came in to just celebrate, which was really exciting. So Matt, what were you celebrating? And I'm curious, like paint a picture because no one's seeing video right now. I'm seeing you on zoom and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, wait, <laughs> I, wait, turn, turn your camera. I want to see this. I want to see that. So paint it, paint a picture for me. Well, I think to to fully appreciate the smiles on our faces, you have to wind the clock back to our old space where we were um, collectively sharing about 1,300 square feet of office space and production area and storage was rolled into all of that. And with our, our new space that we've been um, designing and building for over, a, it seems like over a year, but probably about nine months of um, like architecture build out and design work. Uh, now we've got 5,000 square feet. So we have a, uh, a full like kitchen and lobby area. We have uh, a very comfortable set of offices and bullpen space for our team. And the place that I am most excited about is our new uh, screening room and DI theater. So we have a 20 seat uh, 4K Atmos room that is, it's all the things, man. It's just fun. And I'm like, what? That Yeah, you were about to bury the lead, right? You let you saved it for the end. I did, yeah. What? Yeah, like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's our, it's our little slice of Hollywood here in Denver. So we've got a 17-foot uh, screen and 4K projection and 18 speakers around the room. So it's... 
it's all the things. We wanted a space that we could uh, critically review our work and bring clients in and really share that kind of final experience of seeing a finished piece with our designs up on a big screen where we can kind of evaluate sizing and pacing and motion on a canvas that size. Um, and as we started building that for us, we started realizing that this was actually more of an opportunity to expand our offerings of like, if we have that space, Hey man, it's let's start doing, uh, let's entertain the thought of offering color services and sound mix. And, you know, we kind of had all of the core equipment in place, just the, the final leap over the mountain to get the calibrations and all of that dialed in. But now we've got, to our knowledge, the premier Dolby Atmos finishing room uh, for picture here in Colorado. And this, again, I'm going to lob you some softballs because I know the answers to these questions, right? We all go back a ways, but for anyone listening, why is that a big deal, right? Do those not just, they're not on every corner in Colorado or the West or what have you? As far as the room goes and like the, yeah, those the, the room, the capabilities, that technology, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, having a space like this is something very special for Colorado, given that, you know, we don't typically have the, um, the post house on every corner phenomenon of LA or New York kind of thing. And being able to have, um, those capabilities is something that's pretty special. So what we're trying to do is not only retain work that would typically be leaving the state for those coastal destinations, but also attract additional work here as a, uh, as a destination to come and, and have a, a, <laughs> a mountaintop finishing experience for your, your, mm. your show. Well, I'm rooting obviously for you guys because of my many years running my business in Denver. And it's like, it's so cool to see the evolution continuing, right? And all of the exciting things that you guys are doing. And I'm curious to ask you, Shauna, is this right? Because you're more, let's say, is it safe to say that you're the tip of the spear that is doing the business development and sales and all that stuff out there in the world? Yes, most certainly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why is this 3.0 like, what's the strategy behind that? What, what are you going out to the world and sharing with, you know, collaborators, clients, all that about what this is and what it means? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the post work that we do with the motion graphics and visual effects side of things, that was really where we positioned ourselves uh, for our documentary clients and then also for our brand clients. And on the doc side, so we serve nonfiction filmmakers who are working on series and films and, uh, we're we're coming alongside them, helping them tell their story for like three or four months in this process. We're getting really close to the director, the producers, the editor, and we get into finishing and the creative process during that last finishing phase. So they're doing the conform, they're doing uh, all the online edit, they're doing color and sound. They've got now three different studios plus ours in the middle for the director to be communicating with you always, always in that last week or two, you're running into all kinds of new things that you see because for the first time you're seeing it on the big screen instead of watching it on your iPad <laughs> as you're reviewing things. So not only it, during that week is our team in like full production, just standing by waiting for all the tweaks to our graphics and titles and things like that and, and any sort of VFX stuff that on a smaller screen we might've missed. Uh, but also now they've got these other finishing houses that are involved. And now we're needing to transfer the footage and, oh, they did our alpha wrong and they retimed something in our VFX and sent us a new plate, but that doesn't line up because, they, you know, all the issues and things that that we, we experience as the graphics vendor during that process, we were just like, why couldn't we just do that? Why couldn't we capture that and create a space for our clients where you can come and finish in one spot? You've got, you would be in our theater finishing up the sound. Someone's in the color suite wrapping up the color. It's all live on our Evo, on our server, uh, where you can be connected. And then you can open the door and lean out to the art director and say, we need a tweak on shot 79. <laughs> can you, you know, can you change and update this? And it, boom, it's already in the cut because we're all sitting here in the same space. And I think a lot of our dream is to be able to offer that kind of experience for our clients. And that's on the film side of our dream for that. And then it's like on the commercial side, you know, same thing here in Colorado, leave that post here and 
we can take it all in, in our post house. And so some of our repositioning isn't just to be a motion design and VFX house, but we came up with design forward post because we want to maintain that our expertise is always in that motion design, visual effects, we think in post, but we'll just finish it all here. We can bring it on with our roster of colorists and sound designers and our internal staff. And our hope is just positioning there. We can be this support for our clients to have a nice, relaxing, you know, mountainside space <laughs> to finish all your projects. Right. And some of that too is maybe a little selfish that uh, we pour all this work into the graphics and then hand it to another team to do the finishing. And we're like, oh, why did you recolor the graphics? Or, you know, the vision was actually a little bit different, but we're not able to be in the room. And so uh, some of that too is just this creative um, through line of uh, being able to help the directors get the vision all the way over the, the finish line. How has that been received now that you're going out into the world and starting to share this sort of 3.0 story? Yeah. Well, we've had some great meetings so far. The downside is we just don't have that experience yet where they're like, oh yeah, great. Well, what, what films have you finished? And we're like, okay, that's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the hardest part is, you know, here we are, I've given myself two years of just like, this is a whole new offering that we have, like this facility. I'm even treating it as a separate business. It has to pay for itself. Like we need to have rentals. Uh, we're going to dry hire these spaces as well, because uh, I think having this premium resource here in Colorado that doesn't exist, you know, even in the States connecting, we had an agency come down from Wyoming and just like, ah, this is amazing. <laughs> I need this for my my clients. I'm like, this should be a resource for our industry. So it, it can be dry hired as well. And so we need to get people in there using the space. And then for our team, you know, offering that as an extra piece to here we are doing the graphics already. We're going to spend months and months with you learning this story. Why don't you just keep it all here? I think that's something that I'll be able to sell as the new film projects are coming in. But, you know, some of this is just like we need to get the beginning experience, get some people to get in here and like uh, build out our roster, which uh, the other exciting thing that we designed the space for and our vision for how we can help build the Colorado film industry is all the events that we have going on. Uh, We just did the Colorado Mixer Mixer, uh, which is uh, the meetup for all the sound people and uh, it's just like, it's kind of twofold of like, not only are we helping them network and find each other, creating community and connections so that creativity can be even better, but also, you know, we're, we're seeking out and finding people that are super pros that live here in Colorado, do all their work on the coast. We're like, what, <laughs> why don't you work here? Um, and so it's been great to make personal connections with our like new vendors and we can start to build out a roster of colorists and sound designers so that when you come here, I mean, that's the other piece to it. Directors, both brand and film are like, I have my colorist and I want to use them. <laughs> so it's like, well, sure. we have the space. We could host that. They're, they're, we don't need to necessarily be known only for the colorist that we have on staff or something like that. So some of that business plan over the next two years as we grow this and get the experience and get people in to know that we exist I think some of that too is to build that body of work and the trust with the clients to know that we, you know, we can do it, even though this is a new offering. Yeah. What I'm hearing there is hub. Like this space isn't just a physical place that has really smart people with expertise and all the top equipment technology, but it's actually a space where the community and other people can come and connect and meet and find support and things like that? Yeah. I feel like it's funny. I get so invigorated (laughs) by these in-person events, meeting new people and just watching them meet each other and just the the community that happens. And I'm so excited to be able to facilitate that. And I think, you know, even though it's it's an expense to to host the space, have created the space in the first place, but also, you know, provide the beers and snacks to just get people in a room together. But it's just so hugely valuable for everybody. And I think our our mantra here in Colorado is just the rising tides of we're here to collaborate. And I think this industry is very collaborative and giving. <laughs> and, and I love that, how even if people are competitors, they can be in the same room, share a beer and share some great ideas. So I, oh, I'm so tempted to riff on that because you just said the word community. And I'm like, oh, that's my love language. But <laughs> let's do a quick reset, though, because I there might be somebody listening that's like, I don't even know what Mass Effects is. So just do us a favor. We'll kind of quote 
reset the room. Introduce yourself and tell us a sentence or two about this amazing 3.0 company known as MassFX. Matt, do you want to do the honors? I'll give it a swing and then you can you can back clean up for me. How about that? <laughs> well, I'm Matt Schultz, the creative director at MassFX Media, and we are the premier motion shop for nonfiction storytelling. So we meet uh, directors uh, that are at the helm of features and series and know that there's a need for motion design to help better tell human stories. So even though we're we're using the tools of fantasy and design, uh, we do it in service of, of great human stories that are still relevant and resonant for audiences. And we do that for both brands and for shows. So we kind of straddle both worlds where we've got a team of talented designers and editors that come alongside to help bring these stories to life. And we do it in service of both films and filmmakers, but also brand clients telling their stories. Man, I don't think there's much cleanup there, Shauna. I'm like... <laughs> Other than adding that you are the executive creative director, I keep reminding Matt, <laughs> he also owns the company and you can say, I am a co-founder and executive. <laughs> also funny. lead custodian, if you want to throw that in here. Too. <laughs> hey, that's true. Right? Good point. Yeah, you've got a lot of hats. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, is there anything that you would add to that, Shauna? And well, of course, please introduce yourself as well so we can do, you know, do that formality. Oh, sure. Uh, so, and I'm Shauna Schultz, the executive producer and co-founder of Mass Effects. And I, I think the only thing I would add is just me and Matt's love for documentary filmmaking and visual effects. Like we have this very interesting background where he and I met in high school and we got to go to film school together. And we were always being way too ambitious. Uh, we are still way too ambitious. I think that that love of the th authentic human stories with the documentary side and then being able to put on kind of the frosting on the, the film cake uh, with all the, the motion design and, and ability to, if we can't go film it, we can create it. I think that's my favorite part about what we do is uh, I always say we can like make worlds and break worlds. And, but mo for the most part, we use our powers for good. All right. So in our working title for this episode, we have 12 years in business. This is 12 years. So what is 2023 minus 12? Does that take us back to 2011? 2011, yeah. 2011. So, you know, so Matt, when you were so eloquently telling us about Mass Effects, and I say that quite honestly, because I was like, wow, I'm super intrigued and, and curious. I, I'm like, now I want to be a client. Um, if it was 2011 and we were having this conversation back when you guys started, and I said, hey, what's Mass Effects? What would you have said back then? I think I would have, my voice would have probably cracked a couple times and I would have said, well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I think I'm an animator. And there would be a lot of uncertainty and questions around that. And as Shauna mentioned, our, our beginnings started as a documentary field pair, you know, a producer shooter that would uh, get dispatched out into the field to go gather stories and put something together at the end of the day. And I think that really got us excited. You know, through school, I thought that my future would lead me to uh, sitting behind a camera for National Geographic in a tree stand somewhere, like filming wildlife or something. I really thought like, oh my gosh, that would be the dream to be able to travel and go and shoot fancy cameras and lug gear across the planet and bring back amazing shots of wildlife and things like that. But I think the, the deeper we got into it, the more we just really enjoyed connecting with subjects and connecting with people and just the act of production was so rewarding. That's what we started chasing more and more. But then as post moved through and we would we'd bring our projects back, I was also flexing this kind of emerging muscle of motion design of something that I truly fell in love with and I had the patience for it. And it just really found its way into all of our projects in some some way. And that kind of set us apart in the kind of micro doc space of, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll go shoot a great story. But then there's this explainer component to it or this great open for it or something like that. And it seemed like the phone kept ringing for more and more animation work as time went on. And OK, that's great. We'll just uh, we'll stay up all night this time and we'll get it done. And then another animation project came like, OK, well, uh, well, we'll just work through the weekend and it'll be fine. And that cycle continued for probably six years, I think, of Shauna and I being thoroughly 
thoroughly whelmed and overwhelmed at times with the uh, volume of work we were trying to create and produce and deliver. And I think I have to check my dates, but I want to say uh, seven years ago, we kind of reached a point in our home life and our work life where we we realized that this this is taking over all of our life. And I think the uh, the best advice I had heard was that, you know, you're probably healthier and you, you would really benefit from some separation. If you could move this work piece of life out of the house, that'll at least give you a destination to go somewhere. And then you can come home and leave your work there. Well, that's that's wacky. I don't know about that, but I think it's probably the healthier thing to do. So <laughs> Mass Effects 1.0 uh, gave way to 2.0, where then, oh my goodness, we're paying two mortgages because we just rented an office. And what a gem she was. It was a uh, first floor office complex that shared with uh, the Molly Maids and the somewhat suspect collections agency that was on the fourth floor. So that was a ride. <laughs> and we were so proud. You know, we, we got there, we painted the walls and we unpacked our gear. And then as we settled in there... We then had the opportunity to bring on staff where you don't have to come sit next to me in my spare bedroom and animate together. Now we actually have a desk for you. So we started with an intern and this was a great entry point to, okay, how do we run payroll and how do we manage employees and how does that evolve? Um, but that quickly led to hiring two designers that we were able to get. And okay, now we've got a team. And with the team comes additional needs of workstations and media management and a server and protocol for all of this stuff. But I felt like job description. Yep. <laughs> At every stage, it felt like it was just kind of a natural evolution of, well, okay, this is worth the additional burden for the, the gains we're going to get from it of our extra time and energy building the machine. The machine's going to be able to produce more. Wow. I'm, I'm really glad that you covered that ground because one of my questions was going to be, have there been different seasons, right, of your business? And it, I'm hearing this 1.0, 2.0, I mean, Shauna, when you look back now, do you kind of characterize those and go, man, 1.0 was sort of the, the scrappy, you know, whatever season. And then the label for 2.0 is we started to grow up and evolve. Like, how do you, how do you characterize those seasons yourself? Yeah, the way we kind of visualized it for the team, because we, we did this vision casting when we were ready to move into 3.0 um, and just kind of share with our team the vision is that 1.0 was this raft. And so I drew this <laughs> little raft up on the whiteboard, me, Matt, and our cat. And like the idea of that was just that we had built something that floats <laughs> and off we go. You know, we were out on the ocean, making it happen. We could see the, you know, we're really close to the beach because that thing would break apart in any storm. We'd have to just swim back. <laughs> and so like 1.0, uh, it barely even had paddles. We were just the two of us are floating out in the ocean. 2.0, when we got our office and our first employees, it was like the first time that we'd gotten like a little motorboat. So we had a motor on the back and it's like our little server, right? <laughs> like we've invested in equipment and we can all move together a little bit faster. And I think the, that, that little motorboat that we created in 2.0 always had to stay close to the shore. And we, at any point, could do anybody's job on the team. They get sick, uh, you know, whatever happens, Matt gets that rope over his shoulder and he's going to swim us, you know, pull that small <laughs> motorboat back to shore. And I think this vision for what 3.0 was, was this moment that we were ready to go and get our expedition ship, as we call it. And so we always have these ship metaphors, like our standing meetings or the nav meeting and things like that of like, where are we going with our ship? But I think this, this moment where Matt and I decided we would build the expedition ship, we were actually sitting in our car and it was, we had just gotten home and it was kind of that moment where you're ready to go inside, but you're just not really ready to <laughs> like go back to reality for a second. Uh, and it was right after we had finished our work on The Social Dilemma, which we were a very small team. We had bitten off way more than we could chew, but we were endlessly passionate to work on that film. And we would 
we would not allow the work to be subpar, like well, blood, sweat and tears <laughs> for that, that piece that we had created. It had premiered at Sundance. It felt so good. But the burnout and the effects of what happened after running a team that hard and running ourselves that hard, I think we were kind of faced with this moment of uh, these films are so hard. <laughs> They're like, not only are they draining emotionally because the, the topics can be a lot, but the amount of work and design and soul that we pour into them, do we actually want to be able to do this? Because it broke our spreadsheet system. There were way too many shots for us to manage that. Here we were working with another VFX company that we just finally told the director, we don't have enough. You got to find another team to join us because we've got three weeks left <laughs> and like we need help. And there are too many shots. And so we were able to work with another team that was far more established than we were. So sitting in the car and saying like, do we go back to the raft or, or the, you know, do we, do we actually try this little like motorboat was just like breaking apart for a project like that? Like, do we stay here and do we say no to something like that? Or do we build a system and a ship that's going to be able to take this on? And we just both unanimously were like, let's do this. Like, we want to create a system, a team, a process that we can be sane <laughs> that we're still working on that part. <laughs> but like we want to build a team that can take this on because this is the work we want to do. And so that was, uh, uh, I think that was right around, what was that, like the end of 2019, early 2020. And it was like, here we go, January 2020, we're going to do it. Like we've, we've saved and saved and saved. We have this vision for a facility. We were going to buy a building after two years of looking. We're like, okay, we're going to rent and put all the money into the, the insides. And, um, but like just, just being on this, this like this precipice, the right word of just like looking down or just like, there's this moment we have to make a decision and we're ready to go all in and, and do it. And of course we know what happened in 2020. So we had a little bit of a hiccup and here we are in 2023, like, ah, we made it. <laughs> but I, I think that vision is ultimately, we just want to have a machine that can do the work we love. It's just bigger than me and Matt. And like, I think we're really ambitious and excited, but we can't throw that rope over our shoulder anymore. And I think shifting into this more executive position, like it, it's a totally different company to have this number of people and this type, these types of projects that are coming in, totally different responsibilities. And we can't fall into our old ways of just like, oh, don't worry, I'll finish that. You know, oh, we didn't make the timeline of, well, I'll get in the seat and finish the sound design. Like, I just, you know, we don't have time for that anymore. So now, not only are we building this great work, but now we need to build trust and, and processes with our employees. We, we have to build new relationships because just now the amount of work we need to feed the machine we've created is so much greater I have to be able to focus on that and not have to be worried about whether or not we have trash liners in the trash can. <laughs> and so like those balancing that and going through that shift with Mass Effect 3.0 has been, um, I feel like we keep using the word whiplash. It's like we have these moments that are just like these beautiful, exciting moments where we have such good meetings. And we're like, yeah, we've, we've done it. And then it's like, oh, and by the way, you know, my benefits, uh, I have an issue. And I'm like, oh, let me get in gusto. And like you're going back down into some of these more, you know, you're just an owner. You're wearing that hat all the time. Um, and so uh, I, th I think that growth and that's the way we think about it is in those phases of um, our, our ship metaphor. <laughs> I am well <laughs> it's funny a couple times during your talk that, that what you were expressing there i felt myself actually getting a little bit emotional because i think i <laughs> i think i have some ptsd from my days of running my own studio because on the one hand i hear all that like yay and yes there's that that's so exciting but i also know from my own experience and of course with working with you guys a little bit behind the scenes this is all very tenuous at the same time, right? Like there are huge risks that the two of you are taking as creative entrepreneurs, if you will. And I'm curious, I'm thinking if I was listening to this podcast, others would be curious to know, what's the source of that ambition? Like, are you crazy? What, what, what is it that drives the two of you to take on those risks and not just 
stay in the motorboat and figure that out. I don't know. Matt, do you have a, a thought on that? I think for better or for worse, we've had this DIY pioneering spirit from the beginning. I think thinking back to our like live action production days and stuff, we would ambitiously pull rabbits out of hats on every job. <laughs> and oh, we, we just fell in love with this one story. I think we need to do this whole reenactment. Let's figure out how to do it and we'll, you know, shoot it in such a way that we could get a a million dollar look on a shoestring budget or something. And I think no one has really told us we can't. So it's like, well, someone's doing it. There are places in, in the world that that make uh, amazing content and great visuals every day. Why couldn't it just be us? I'm sure they have a way to do it. And I think we, we've we just looked around and said that, you know, if, if there was someone nearby that be willing to do this for us, we'd, we'd bring them on and do it. But then we're seeing that I'm not seeing anybody close by. So, okay, we'll, we'll bring this in into our own minds and figure out how to get it done. I think there's just been a, an ignorance and a stubbornness and a willingness to learn that has gotten us to where we are. <laughs> Naive, naivete, maybe? I mean, capital N. I just, have, I, I just have such mad respect for that you know, ambition because I know all of the nitty gritty, you talk about changing the garbage trash can liners, Shauna. It's such a perfect little... It's not even a metaphor, right? It's not even a metaphor. Don't don't call it a metaphor, Joel, because it's what it's really like to run a creative business is at the end of the day, it's a business <laughs> and it, all that comes with that. So I don't know, Sean, is your, is your source of ambition and drive just as Matt described it? Or do you have your own spin on it? I, I like the way you described it, Matt. And I think naivete is huge. <laughs> I'm just like, if you don't know how hard it's going to be, uh, my favorite meme right now is this flag that says, we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because we thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. Because <laughs> every time we're there like, we can do this. And they're like, what are we doing? People do it every day. How hard going to be? And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> there, I feel like people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, there's this strange, crazy, intrinsic motivation. I think there's also an addiction factor <laughs> of like you get addicted to the thrill of you you have a vision and you're chasing that vision and you can achieve that. But I feel like the hardest part is that I'm constantly moving the goalpost. I think this year, here we are in Q4, and I was like, we, I did not hit my business, uh, you know, my sales goals. I did not hit my sales goals. I'm so upset with myself. I'm looking back at what my goals were, what I thought it would cost to move into this space and run the team like this. <laughs> and I totally hit the sales goals <laughs> for that. It's just that this Ouch. is, of course, far more expensive. There are a lot of hidden things we didn't think about, major issues that happened that it turned out we didn't properly protect ourselves from. So that came out of our pocket during the construction. Just all these fun, new, exciting things of being a business owner. And so the goalpost is constantly moving. And there there aren't those moments, even the the open house night, it was, you know, the whiplash of how wonderful and amazing that was. But then in the in the background, like the issues or things that were going on with projects that day and that we were dealing with that I was like, I just want to have a moment and enjoy what we did. But it's like, nope, you got to take this phone call from a client that had a misunderstanding and you're going to be able you're going to have to deal with that today. And I, I think there's this this weird addiction to the excitement that that all brings, even though it's stressful, even though it's painful what we create out of it, these little rose-colored glasses come on when we're looking into the past of like, man, wasn't the social dilemma so fun? And we're like, oh, we did such a great job on it. You kind of forget, uh, maybe it's like childbirth, you forget all that labor pain and what you went through because it's so worth it on the other side of what you're capable of now. So I think about what we can do with this team and the amazing group of humans that have trusted us with their, their lives as we're embarking into 3.0. And it's like we can turn to our team and pull something off in a day that, you know, wouldn't even be possible because of their talents. I can't sit in any of those chairs anymore. They're so much better than I am at the things I used to do for the company. And I think that addiction to the excitement keeps 
it just keeps, I'm like, okay, I'm tired and I'm burned out. It's too much. And then I get this new idea and I'm like, ooh, Matt, <laughs> what if? And like, now I'm doing that in the evenings. And I, I don't know, there's, there's, maybe it's craziness. Maybe it's just pure insanity of the entrepreneurial spirit that I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop. Well, I was going to ask you guys a question earlier about, you know, the shift from say a lifestyle business to just a business business, but We've already covered that ground, but you reminded me when you talked about like going home at night, how do you guys stay sane, right? As spouses and how do you turn it off? I'm just kind of curious because I'm sure somebody's listening that's also right in business with their partner. And I'm assuming you guys figured that out along the way, or is it still, still a work in progress? I think one big part of it, Matt, you can add whatever you're feeling, but I think one big part of it was that separation. I think the for our relationship, for our mental health, getting our work out of the house was so important. And that made a big shift because it's not to say that we don't talk about work at home because there are many nights <laughs> that we're both laying there in bed and we're like, okay, so I had a thought. <laughs> but I think that that separation of us being able to have a different life, there's a different environment where you, you can, your brain can kind of like turn back onto the work side of it. And then we can be, you know, we're at work together, working together, and then we can be at home as husband and wife, a separate kind of world and space. I think that physical separation is really important. And I think when we made that change, that was really helpful. But I don't know, Matt, if we have any other secrets or I feel like it never turns off. It's just a constant. It's, I think we love it so much that this is such a part of our lives and our passion. And this is what gets us up in the morning. And this is what gets us so excited. And I, I feel like it doesn't feel burdensome to have work conversations 24 seven because we're doing so many different things. I feel like if we're grinding on one problem for a long time that's a little tiresome but i think there's so much at any moment that you know we can get excited about or kind of in problem solving mode about that there's enough enough to talk about that there's always that um i also think becoming parents shifted the home dynamic substantially where now we have a, a six-year-old daughter and she, for some reason doesn't have the same patience level to hear about you know how we're going to be <laughs> rewrapping QuickTime yeah. videos at work or whatever we're doing that day. She just interrupts and doesn't care. So I think it's it's a very healthy just uh, human distraction to have a tiny person that just wants to talk about finding leaves on the ground because they're falling off the trees and stuff like that. I can totally relate, right? Because I would bring my daughter to work and she would be like, every kid has a dad that runs a animation <laughs> studio full of funny characters and amazing people and you know does stuff for in your case uh netflix and all these other people it's just you know it's just normal life for her so <laughs> let me ask this question then if you are the two founders how do the two founders get away for a long weekend for an extended vacation god forbid a sabbatical I would love when someone figures that out to let me know. <laughs> That's a hard okay. one. <laughs> I, well, let me answer that with a story. I think we've learned how to impart trust. Let me correct that. We're learning how to impart trust to our team. I think we had an experience maybe six years ago where it was like our anniversary we wanted to take this big scuba trip in Indonesia and just like, okay, guys, you're on your own. We're headed out and thought that we had done our best to equip the team and empower them to make decisions and deliver the work and keep clients happy. And we had the time of our lives and best scuba trip I've ever been on. And we come back and start sifting through emails and then start to realize things didn't go very well while we were gone. In fact, a client that had signed for a six-figure job wanted to pull it back and cancel everything and bail on us. And that's, that's a lot of vacation whiplash. That will very quickly undo two weeks of relaxation trying to untangle this. And I think, 
you know, we just went into it as a fact-finding mission of talking to the team and the producer and the AD that were on the job of like, what happened? Yeah, they just didn't know what they wanted and they just kept giving bad notes. And then, you know, we just all of a sudden got this call. They were pulling it back. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is not good. So we kind of at a project level moved on and got past that. But I think using that as one of those very stinging learning moments where I think we now just really want to better equip our team and and better manage expectations and impart our our vision and our standards for things and give kind of carte blanche permission to say if something needs a drastic pivot in order to save the job you you are knighted and capable and do it you know do what it takes to do the best job you can while we're not here. And I think that shift, um, you know, has really improved our training and empowerment of folks that is giving us an opportunity to step step aside more than we have in the past 12 years. Well, it, this leads me to, I'm going to dovetail with your story and ask Shana a question because... When I was running my studio, I was really lucky that my business partner was essentially a workaholic and, you know, God bless him for it because it worked to my benefit because I could be gone a week or two or three and he would be there in the trenches, right? You guys can't really do that, right? A vacation without mom isn't really going to work too well. So Shauna, I'm curious and I'll, t I'll sort of set it up, set it up with this. What is the value of something I never really mastered that I would call methods, systems, routines, all these very non-glamorous things that it really takes to run a thriving creative business. What's your view on that? And is that has that made a difference in giving you perhaps more freedom and autonomy and security that you didn't have previously in the story that Matt told. Yeah, I, I think massively. I think setting and having systems in place so that anybody can kind of peek into a project and take on that role. So like, I, I think having a larger team as well. So now we have redundancy where we have two art directors. If one of them is out or if Matt's out, they can, they can kind of step into some of these roles. For me, I've got two producers, I've got operations manager and um, people that are taking on pieces that I can say, hey, I, I gotta hand this over to you or vice versa. So that redundancy is a big one. But then the systems and making sure that we're doing everything the same, we all have the information all in one place <laughs> so that there's a source of truth for our team to know where projects are, where the feedback is. And we have habits and routines that help us just function. We don't have to think about those parts. I think that was the other big challenge over the last year and a half as we were, we had like pitched everybody, like we have this vision, <laughs> you know, this is Mass Effect 3.0. We're going to double the team size. We're going to have a, a space. We're going to have bigger clients with bigger expectations. And some of that uh, some of those systems I was trying to put in place, uh, like F-Track, for example, now we have this project management system that replaced five pieces of software that we were using. And it's been brilliant, but it's so hard to get the team, get whole new systems on that um, for all the team members who are involved and all the things that they have to, all like the, the elements that they have to own. But all the way back then, you know, people are like, this is so overkill. Why are you, you know, you're so annoying as to like, hey, make sure that you're tracking your time because we need to be able to actualize our, our costs every single week. We have a system for that. If you don't change the status of the shot when it's done, we don't know that we can review it, you know? And so like we built all these systems, trained everybody. And over the course of the last year and a half, we practiced when we were small. And then as we started to grow, we could train people on a system that everybody knew and everybody followed. And that means now when Matt and I leave, so now we're trying to take a week off every, you know, four to five months. <laughs> I want to say every quarter, we're working up to that. But getting, being able, you know, we just came back from Mexico, which was wonderful. And we just know that things are running. And if I wanted to check in, which we aren't anymore, 
But if I wanted to check in, I could pop open our F-Track, for example, and just take a quick glance. And, and there are new views and processes that allow things to be more glaring that we can catch or, or whatever. And so I think, I think that's been a big shift. And it's been, it was a hard kind of like a, a hard change to implement, but a powerful thing that allows, allows this machine to run. And now we're not questioning and always wondering about processes. We're all, we all have our habits built and now we can focus on the work and just do the, the, fun, <laughs> the fun part of it in a sense. And people who love systems and operations and processes, I find people that help me with that, you know, and they can be as passionate as I am about those. Um, so that shift has been, uh, that allows us that sanity to have the work-life balance, to be able to leave and know that people have it and they handle it. And it, it's always that trust but verify, right? And we can always check in and see how it's going or it, or if things are needing some help. I love that. And I, I often, like I vicariously, of course, live my former life over and over again through you guys, which is why I'm so, you know, excited for your journey. But I even hear that part of it and I'm like, thank you, right? Like, good for you. That's so important. All right. Final question. What's got you excited about the future? Like when you see 3.0 manifesting, why are each of you excited about that? What is it that's going to keep getting you out of bed in the morning and talking about quick times over breakfast cereal with your daughter? <laughs> Matt, you want to go first? I think the work that gets me the most excited consistently falls in the the film camp. So either doing long form documentary features or series, I think just the the trust and reputation that we've built with other storytellers and showrunners and directors that that approach us with very unique challenges of, you know, we have to explain something heady to an audience, but it still needs to connect at a heart level with our uh, subjects and our characters and still fit in the flow of the the show and everything. I think being able to just grow our, our roster of those shows. And, you know, we've, this has been a weird year with the strikes and the markets and all the things, but, you know, the feelers we've put out and the relationships that we're tilling into what we hope is fertile ground, I think there's a lot of prospect there that shows are going to return to us. And I think really leverage us not as a design vendor to throw pixels on the screen, but really as creative collaborators to help us tell the right story in those moments. And I think that's what gets me the most excited. And then, you know, there's all of the derivative rabbit holes that I enjoy chasing after that moment of, okay, now this is a technical challenge of now we've got a thousand shots we need to manage and ingest and slate and do all the the stuff for. I love I love getting my hands on the tools and building systems to handle that volume of work and deliver it consistently. But at the end of the day, uh, what I absolutely love the most is that that storytelling component to be able to sit now in our amazing theater and have the lights out and see the screen fill. You know, just rolling through stuff in context is is my favorite way to review stuff. So you really get. I'm back in that headspace of the story and kind of thinking like an editor of the pace of this scene, this moment, and then it hands off to animation to just bring something home. Those are the moments I just, I love the most. So Sean, I see you nodding, so I'm sure you agree. Is there, an, is there another side to that coin that gets you excited? So there's a third piece to the business. So we've got kind of the, the classic mass effects, what we've been doing, our motion design, visual effects side of things, uh, and then adding and finishing to that. Then there's our, our new facility, which is I'm kind of thinking as its own little entity of how do we run that, that version of a business. And then the last little arm and the, and the thing I've been really excited about is original content. And not only are we developing our own content, uh, you know, films and shows that we've been working on for years that one day are going to get sold. I'm so sure of it. <laughs> but like, it's such a high risk side of things to uh, like, until you've sold it, you can't, you can't staff that you, you know, it's just a dream. And it's, it's, it's work that you're pouring into it. But I feel like we are living in this beautiful space between brands and films. And we could offer original content to our brand clients in a way that is, uh, it's in demand right now for, for brands where you can have like a, an authentic voice that doesn't feel like it's just promos. 
and then also to just create good uh, like um, thought leadership content. And so one of our clients that we've, we've had for a few years now, we were kind of talking about original content and they've been like, we've been interested in that. And we've had the opportunity to develop a show with them that would take the form of, you know, half hour docu style episodes. And I think that process of dreaming with them and walking them through my kind of eight week process of how to develop your show as a brand, an original content for a brand and teaching them that original content is not product placement. Like we're not going to be like, and now here I'm using your, your product, but that it, it truly needs to be authentic, powerful storytelling and their trust in us is so exciting. <laughs> and that, that I think, you know, if we can get this off and running and we can start this other side of mass effects of being able to span, uh, that storytelling side for brands, I I feel like that can be an exciting new chapter. Um, But, you know, it's risky and it's one of those things of like, if it hits, you hit big and it gives you a lot of runway so that you can start selling the next one. But until we get it, you know, that that needs to just be kind of a small 10% of our focus um, as Matt and I are kind of doing that on the side. But the dream is is always, you know, telling stories and, and making films. So being able to do that with partners that just already have the funding will be, will be amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, I'm knocking on wood and, you know, toy toy, throwing the salt and everything. I'm like, hopefully <laughs> right. I don't jinx it by talking about it. Um, but I think I'm, I'm most excited by that of, you know, the next kind of 12 years of Mass Effects is like, we're going to be creating and, and, and doing some, some of our best work. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for this. I'm, I'm just continuing to like, completely cheer you on from the sideline sidelines and uh excited with all the the journey that you're on and your peers and everyone inside the community so thank you for sharing your story well thank you we we sincerely appreciate it thanks for listening this podcast is a real labor of love which requires time money and energy so if you like the rev thinking podcast please leave us feedback and tell others about it because sharing is caring. To learn more about me, just Google my name, Joel Pilger. To learn more about RevThink and learn how to get involved in what we're doing, visit RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.